0: So my, my brothers and sisters, we're continuing our series on Ask Me Anything on questions that people have ad, um, sent in, in in advance. And so there is a, um, a link. I think the link is on Facebook and it's in the buzz. And if you continue to ask the questions, that would be great. There were 20 more questions than last week. Um, so I have a lot more to choose from. But part of this is not just the Stump the Pastor Day. Um, it's, it's again reminding us that we are, all, we are all a part of the church and the church is not this passive one way street and worship is not just this aspect of receiving but God desires all of you not just your listening skills like sitting and listening in church is a wonderful skill but that's not the fullness of being a Christian and following Jesus God desires our hearts and our minds as well um, and our questions come come from God and come from a spirit and when we seek truth When we seek out the God like any any truth, we are seeking God in the end. And it may be a roundabout way to get there, but we are still on the journey to God. Okay, Vicki.
1: So I asked Pusson this morning what's gonna happen to the questions that don't get answered, because we can't do them all. You might want to tell them. Oh yes,
0: okay. So um (laughs) yeah. So to all the questions that are not answered and probably a few of them. I started on the church um, Instagram feed This like 60 second question, answers, um, which is a real challenge because a video on Instagram has to be less than 60 seconds. And so like one of the ones I've done already is like, what is hell or something. And so it's like, how do you answer that in 60 seconds? <laughs> um, it's a challenge. And so, but I think like that and so to try and continue to fill up those and answer that in that venue. Um, and so I'm gonna continue to make videos afterwards of this, of answering these questions um, Probably for a while, because there'll be a lot of questions. And then next year, if we do the series again, I can get a, a whole boatload more of questions. But, um, as well, I can also, if you have questions about God and faith and life, um, you can just ask me in general. Or like, have a coffee with me and talk about that. Um, if you have questions about your faith or about what's going on. Um, that's that's my job. I would love to be there in those spaces for you.
1: And just in case you're not a person who uses the internet, somebody handed me an index card with several questions on it today. You can do that, Yeah, you can do that, too. Um, or just, All right. First question, Wilson, you ready? I'm ready. Alright. So a few different people ask this question from a variety of perspectives. Okay. So I combine them all into one. They want to know about your perspective, the Methodist perspective, and John Wesley's perspective. And the question has is this: Is the Bible a book of inspired words of the people of God? Or do you believe God had a more literal involvement in what the Bible says?
0: Fantastic. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, it
1: was a crowd
0: favorite. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Okay. So uh, this is a this is a question, and a very I mean, it's a very common one, and a very idea. One of the challenges of this question is the what people mean by almost each individual word in what is said, um, and like, what, what do you mean by literal? What do you mean by inspired? In those ten minutes. and so that's one of those. I, I'm glad they asked what, what I mean, um, and I'm going to try and answer it in a, a quick way. Um, by quick, it's like less than 45 minutes.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: so now, uh, if you look in, in your Bible or you look up on your phone, um, 2 Corinthians three sixteen, um, and we had a sermon series on this last year, but that's the kind of their very famous passage from Paul where he says, "All Scripture is God breathed." and useful for teaching. Um, God-breathed is also translated as inspired. Inspired means it's got like inspir- inspirare is breathing in and out. Um, the Austin vocal chorus, conspirare, is breathing together. That's what that the root is, um, which is a very important thing for singing, I believe, and of course it's uh, breathing together. Um, so, one of the, a few important distinctions I want to make to try before I preface this is that mm. the Bible has not been read in the same way through all of history, um, and oftentimes it seems like for many of us the way we understood the Bible when we were a child is the way it was always understood, or the way that our parents did, or their parents, in such and such case. Um, the the texts of the Bible were not finalized until about 312 A.D. Um, of the New Testament. And it was a similar period about that um, 200 years before for the Old Testament. So There wasn't this handing. There was never a handing down a book from, from the heavens. There wasn't an angel coming down like, this is your book. Um, so the Bible is different. This is different from um, in, in the Muslim faith, the Quran, which was it was the, the direct word from the angel Gabriel to the prophet Muhammad in written down. And so there's a different idea of inspiration. So I wanted to just preface that first. As well, in the ancient church, there were different reading ways of reading. And we talked about this a lot in our Sermon on the Song, of Song series, but that the literal interpretation was, what do the letters actually say? Um, that's what litera means, letter. And so a literal interpretation is looking at the letters. Um, and then there was the allegorical interpretation, like what, is, what do they mean? What is, what is it going? What is a, a metaphor, an interpretation going on? And then they would always have a, a moral sense, a tropological sense of like, what is, how should this reading um, affect me? And then there would be the eschatological sense. It's like, what does this have to do with the final kingdom of God? And so all of those passages were on top of each other. And so, for instance, I'll just read um, just one little aspect from, from the text for today. Uh, be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. As Jesus says this. Okay, so one way of reading it is... We have to have lamps. Every every Christian needs a lamp. Okay, so that's one that is that's the literal reading of this text. Everybody needs a lamp. If you don't have a lamp that has oil in it, you are a bad Christian. Um, that's one way of reading it. I don't think a lot of people would read it that way. But if we're looking at the letters, that's the reading. That's the plain um, plain meaning. The allegory is that you have to be prepared and be prepared at any time um, of the night. The the moral sense is what is. How, can, how do I prepare myself in life um, to, to do that? And so it's thinking like thinking of steps of the practical ways of me individually, of you individually, and um, the eschatological sense of what does it mean for us as a people, as a body of Christians, as, a, as humans, to be prepared for Jesus? And how can we work towards that? And what would it finally, ultimately, look like? Okay, so... Um, in 1517, we're jumping ahead. In 1517, a young priest named Martin Luther hammered um, 95 uh, questions on a door. Um, in the 95 theses, a lot of them were just, it was kind of a, a mega troll in the modern parlance. If you've ever been on like an internet site, or like, have you ever seen YouTube comments? Um, if you've ever read those, it's like Martin Luther. But he just, <laughs> he had a lot of problems. And one of the things that emerged out of Martin Luther and the Reformation was he didn't like these other interpretations, and he wanted to focus on the literal interpretation. Um, the problem was Martin Luther never really practiced that, and he wrote a lot about the Bible. Um, and so, okay, we're at 1517, we're gonna jump now to 1805. You ready? It's exciting. 1805, John Darby was a Scottish immigrant to the United States. And um, I know this is the most exciting Sunday morning you've ever had. <laughs> but it, it, it's not a quick question. And that's the problem. When you answer it quickly, um, you miss out on what, how God is present. And that's why I'm trying to go through a little bit of the history to understand how God is present in the most, the most maximalist way possible. Because, so John Darby was fixated on this literal sense following kind of um, the uh, new German historical criticism. Um, that it was coming but he was against instead of following their history which was looking at how maybe there's two different authors in Genesis how maybe there's three different authors in Isaiah he was like no we're going to use these tools but the only author is God um, in that way. and the only interpretation is this one and I have it um, and everyone else is wrong and there's a, there's a tradition of John Darby to a lot of churches in the United States and then from the United States around the world of this kind of ownership over inter- literal interpretation. Um, this especially came about, there was there's two big fights in the 19th century about this. Um, the first one was about slavery, and the second one was about Darwinism. Um, and both of these were these interpretations of some people sit thinking or reading the Bible as a way that it means that I have to keep slaves, and there's people in the South, and so I'm going to interpret it literally so that I can get to keep my slaves. Um, As well, the the other, continually in that tradition, was the same anti-Darwinist that, wait a minute, Darwin says we came from monkeys. God doesn't say that. Therefore, Darwin is wrong, and everybody who ever reads him is wrong. And all science is wrong. And the only science is what happens in Genesis. And so the reactions to this kind of reify people into this fixation on on the plain text of, of Scripture. The problem with that is the plain text of Scripture is confusing. Um, a lot of places. We've been, um, for those of you, for the few and faithful who've been following along with our reading of the entire Bible, we're in First Chronicles, which is just a long list of people. Um, and it's really boring. Um, <laughs> it's not exciting. It's really not. As well, there's a lot of other passages where you read it and you're like, God, what is going on here? Um, I'm, I'm prayerful, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying, but if I'm stuck on the plain sense... If that's the only thing they have, it's not very plain. As well, not everybody can read, um, and there's an assumption in the kind of anti-Darwinist, a uh, pro-slavery reading of scripture, which really undergird a lot of uh, a lot of what became, and is common as as literalism, uh, is, is this kind of like scientific anti-scientism, which is a super confusing phrase, but it's it's a confusing history. But it, it undergirds this this. Um, you have to be able to read the Bible to be a Christian, and so what does it say for people who can 't read um, that they can 't inspire their faith in the same way that people who read this passage literally need to own an oil lamp in order to be faithful to Jesus because you have to have your lamp right there's no there's not a metaphor there's not an allegory going on okay so all of that is to say is to answer the question for me that um, I believe the Bible is inspired by God it is written by people I believe um, following St. Augustine that the way to read the Bible is to read the clear passages, um, to understand the difficult passages through the clear passages. And so, for instance, a clear passage for me is for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so um, that passage I believe in, that I see, that is the God I've met and experienced, that is God that I've seen through throughout history. Um, and when I come to a passage I don't understand, I read it, how is God's love found here? As well, Augustine teaches us that, um, to read the scripture with the idea of the twin command- love commandments that Jesus taught. Love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so I read, if I'm reading a passage and I cannot see the love of God and the love of neighbor, I don't say this is wrong and I need to get it out of the Bible. I say, God, teach me how to see the love of love of you here. Teach me how to see the love of my neighbor here. And it's you know, this, it's not a way to say that the Bible is fallible or that the Bible makes mistakes. This idea of fallibility is, well, is very modern. The idea of, like, this kind of tribal issue, it's an anxiety of control. It's an anxiety that I need to have everything exactly in my box. And if it's not quite in my box, my entire faith falls apart. Um, whereas my faith is not in the Bible. Martin Luther, on his helpful days, um, called the Bible uh, the straw and swallowing clothes in which the baby Jesus is laid. And so, if you've ever seen someone born or birthed a child yourself, you know it is not a clean process. It's never a clean process. The birth of Jesus was not a clean process. There was a lot of stuff and gook that held him. And especially if you're being born in a barn, um, there's going to be some other gook around, some other things that's there, but that is where Jesus is held. Our faith is not in the book itself. Our faith is in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he is found here. And not just here in this book. He's found in the experience of worship. He's found in the love of our neighbors. But he is found here. Now, John Wesley spoke of, or people after Wesley talked about John Wesley as he had these four, um, this quadrilateral. And so these four ways of belief in um, scripture, reason, tradition, and experience. But the main one was scripture. John Wesley continued to go back to scripture over and over again. Um, John Wesley did not see scripture as as a medical textbook that needed to be used in that way. John Wesley actually wrote a medical textbook that's really interesting um, (laughs) for uh, for 18th century science. But that was not the point of the Bible. The point of the Bible was not to answer random questions that you have during the day, but this is where where Jesus And, similar, and so, like coming out of that, emerging out of that, in the United Methodist Book of Discipline, we talk about Scripture being inspired by God. In our Articles of Religion, Scripture is God-breathed, um, inspired by God, useful for all teaching. That is the language and discourse. And for me, it's so much more powerful than trying to fixate on, on how I understand the literalness. Because the issue with, with literalness or in, inerrancy is it's all about distinguishing me from other people. It's all about distinguishing my reading from other people's reading. It's all about deciding who is right and who is wrong. Um, when I want to come, and I want to teach people to come to Bible hump with humility, coming before Oh Lord, how can I meet you this day? How can I, when I open the scriptures, see Jesus in a new way? Not how can I control the lives of other people, not how can I control other people, you know, not how can I, I can figure out how to be in power, but how can I meet Jesus? How can I draw closer to Him? Yeah, that was less than 45
1: minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a related question. Okay. And one, it's an interesting question. If you had to suggest one book about <laughs> Christianity that wasn't in the Bible, what would that book be and
0: why? About. Christianity. If
1: you had to suggest one book about Christianity that wasn't
0: the Bible, what would that book right. be and why? Well, I would, I'm going to go to my own hobby horse. I'm going to go to St. Augustine. i just already quoted <laughs> him. Um, he wrote a book called The Confessions, and he wrote this soon after his conversion. Augustine was an African in North Africa in the late 4th century. Um, he grew up, his mother was a Christian, his father was a pagan. Um, he, and the Confessions is the first autobiography in history. Um, and so one of the ways, a lot of people are assigned it an undergraduates, um, and they read the first 10 books, because um, books um, 10, 11, and 12 are about like time and eternity, um, and they don't fit into the kind of idea of autobiography. But the story is about, it's a prayer, and it begins with prayer. It's, it's really a gorgeous, gorgeous book, and it begins, and he has this famous line, Lord, on my heart is restless until I rest in you. And, and the story, Augustine paints his own life story, but also brings the story the story of this conversion but also brings us into that story and reminds us that we ourselves can pray and see God acting and we can see God acting in the histories of our lives and we can see God acting in those times even when we didn't have faith and we can see the movements of grace in that as well that we are not um, I guess and continue draws us back to scripture so I think that's um, it really is such a power it's, for me it's a really really powerful work that. Teaches about what faith is, and faith is about mercy, mercy and love and forgiveness and new life, and and offering ourselves for God and for others. Augustine is uh, made a priest against his will, and he's made a bishop against his will. Um, he was a, a rhetorician; he taught like, like sons of emperors how to speak. Um, and then he got involved in this cult called the Manichaeans, which was about like this very binary: there's good and there's evil, um, and there's it. Like he had a very he like Christian later in life. But after, after he did, he really turned his life to God and offered himself in such a full cool way, reminding us that we don't, have to, we don't have to have grown up in the church to be faithful Christians. We don't have to, like, really practice our faith. If we have turned away from God, God is there for us. Uh, and what God desires for us is our hearts and the fullness, and we do not find our rest. We may seek it in many ways. We may seek it in our jobs. We, we may seek rest in our families. We may seek it in our hobbies, in our, um, in so many different things. But we will not come to rest until we come to know the love of God. Okay. One more.
1: One more? Because we probably do two more. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. This is two that I put together. Is there a right or wrong way to pray, and how do you know when God is speaking to you? Awesome. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, no, um, there's no, there's no right way or wrong way to pray. The only um, wrong way to pray is not to pray. Um, but it's kind of hard for us not to pray. And I'll um, explain that to you. So, and Paul says in First Thessalonians, to pray pray without ceasing, to, to never stop praising, which is kind of tricky. You might think to yourself, like, well, well how do I do that? Um, again, if you fixate on the letter of the text, that means don't do anything else in your life except praying, which is really hard to do, like, it's hard to live. Um, you have to eat food and go to sleep, but then, you know, that, if you get what I'm drifting with that. Uh, so there's one way. How I understand that, so, um, I think there's a lot of different ways of prayer. There's not this, this one way that works. Uh, one of my teachers once told me that prayer is like throwing up to God. Um, we pray, we pray, we pray everything. Like, prayer is often taught that you have to be printed proper have to kneel in a certain way and hold your hands in a certain way. Um, and say, O thou, O mightiest God of ways of thunder, um, and just talk to God as if, like, it's not someone you know. Um, Talk to God in this old, archaic language. That's nothing to do with prayer. Um, Another one of my teachers um, once said that, like, prayer is wonderful because it is a complete waste of time. Um, There's no efficiencies in prayer. You can't look at your your productivity for the day and say, I really accomplished something today in my prayer. Um, because that's not the point. Prayer is not about accomplishing something. It's much more like um, when you fall in love and just linger with that person. And suddenly it's 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, and the time has gone by. Or you're walking along on the beach. Or you see your child for the first time in a long time. Or you see a friend you haven't seen and you bring night. That is what prayer is. Prayer is, is, is that lost moment. It's that gift. It emerges out of all of that. I think another way of understanding prayer um, is, is, is tears. There's um, tears of, of sadness, tears of joy. whenever we're crying is also a, a, is a part of prayer. Um, every time, whether or not you stung your toe or your kid hits you in the neck, or um, you know, or you, you have a child, or you see a friend, or you lose your job, like all of those are moments of prayer. Oftentimes in scripture. God, God speaks about how um, movements, movements that don't even have words, that God, God is close to us and moving with us beyond our words, that, that prayer is, not, is, is about the intentions of our heart and the intentions and connections of our heart. And so there isn't, there isn't a bad way of prayer. There isn't a wrong way to do it. There's a way to, how do we posture our lives and live our lives towards God and towards others? That is the prayer without ceasing. And then how do we know when God is speaking? We know how God is speaking by, um, by one listening is important. Oftentimes it's you, you can't you can't hear someone if you're not listening. And so one of those ways is practicing intentional listening, practicing maybe contemplative prayer. Another way is reading is reading the scriptures and seeing if what how you are feeling is reacting to that. Another way is talking to other people and Christians. And that's one of the reasons of drawing us together as a body of Christ is so that we can discern together what God has for us. For instance, I mean, like whether or not you should take a new job, and like, gosh, God, I don't know. I feel like I need a new job. I feel like my life is not going anywhere. Um, One of the best things to do is not to just like, okay, God, answer this, and then wait. Um, Like, we're not, God is not going to answer on your time, but to like, okay, I'm going to pray about this. I want to pray about this. I'm going to talk to people I respect to pray about this. I'm going to... um, going to look through the Bible and see how God has responded to people in the past. And sometimes God does speak directly to you. Sometimes God speaks through dreams. Sometimes God speaks through the words of other people. But we only hear God if we are paying attention. And we are not, and the point of of prayer and of seeking answers from God is that God is not this big genie who's there to answer all our questions. As well, if you remember a few weeks ago, I I spoke about the, the prayer of Teresa of Avila. Um, which is, I think, in the 500s in her end. But she has this prayer that is, um, oh God, please do not give me what I want if it will hurt me. <laughs> and that's, that's sometimes, too, is that sometimes we pray and we're impatient with God. It's like, God, I really need a new car. And it's like, I don't think... God's like, I don't think you need a new car. Uh, <laughs> in that kind of way. That this, this is not what you want. And, and prayer and the light of prayer is about... Um, the confluence of our lives with God's will for our lives, and if you imagine, if you imagine two rivers, um, flowing, and how do they, how can they flow together? It's so our goal in prayer and our goal in faith is how can we move closer for the stream of life God has for us? How can we let go of the rocks of the of the seaweed of the kind of gangy stuff that keeps us from love, and how can we flow nearer to um to the ocean of God's love for us? Okay, one more. Okay,
1: all righty, one more. I was getting ready to do him. Um, <laughs> well, okay, if you could change one specific thing about American Christian culture, what? What
0: it no? <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I would. I mean, I can. Honestly, it would be humility. Um, yeah, like humility of faith, humility of practice. I think that that's, I think, um, <clears throat> Christians, especially in America, have uh get themselves into trouble, especially with being, when they're in arrogant and prideful um, <clears throat> and trying to control and power over people. And like, having a place of humility takes more faith um, than being proud. Because being proud assumes that you are right, assumes God's favor is for you. Humility has faith that God will bless the situation even though I don't have control over it, um, that God, God is Lord. So I don't need to use my sword to overpower others. And I don't need to put them away. I don't need to keep my child in the basement until he's 18 for fear of everyone around. I have faith that God will be with him. I can be responsible, but still have faith in that. And so that would be, I, yeah, a spirit of humility and a lack of entitlement. That we are not entitled to this country. Um, Christians are not entitled to any country. Um, that we are not, um, we are newborn, born again by the Holy Spirit. We are not born of the flesh. We are born of the Spirit. And so we can be born of any land. And we are people, we are, a, a quote Augustine one more time, <laughs> um, we are a pil- pilgrim people in this place. That our final home is not here. And so we should not build up more barns of stuff and say to ourselves, soul, look at all the stuff you have. Um, that, that should not, we should not be so satisfied with our oil lamps Um, Or we should not think that, oh, everything is okay, the thief is not coming tonight. Or, again, like I'm looking at this Luke 12 passage. You know, we should not think that we know what hour the thief is coming. We should not think that we have all the answers. Because Jesus comes like a thief in the night. So let us be humble before our Lord. Let us be humble before our neighbors. Let's seek our neighbors and see what they can teach us. Let's see how God is speaking in surprising places. Let's, let's, Let's work together for the common good of this world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the ways you've moved here this morning, for, um, for your words, for the questions on the hearts of the people. Just continue to remind us that you are speaking here, but you continue to speak um, in our lives. Help us to write down those questions we have. Help us to, to see the answers you give us, see the joy you give us in surprising places. In Christ's holy and blessed name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>